egg is used as a sound effect a lot of times in the story, actually. I forget how many times, but it's a lot. Egg isn't really a sound anything can make, except maybe a guy shouting the word egg at the top of his lungs, I guess. No! <laughs> so as you can see, egg onomatopoeia for the sound egg. <laughs> As automatopoeia, maybe. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. But also, sounds can't be like sounds like generally aren't phonemes. I don't know what that means. I'm not a linguistics major. Hachu for short. This is the podcast where we compare Homestuck and Ulysses bit by manageable bit. I'm your co-host Jamie, resident fresh produce major. <laughs> Do you want to tell us what that means? Oh yeah, I work at a grocery store and I'm starting to work this week. And also I ran out of real majors that were real ones that I was gonna do. That is a huge mood. <laughs> Well, I'm your co-host, Kira, resident history boy, because it's June and it's pride and I love gay history. Um, you can find me at K-I-Y-Y-E on Tumblr and Patreon and K-I-Y-Y-E-S on Instagram. And you can find me at jamietamar.wordpress.com and on Instagram as jamietamar. That's J-A-I-M-E-T-A-M-A-R. So. Um, do we, should we do questions first or what, when are we going to do your fun new segment that you won't tell me about? Um, I will, uh, so I have a fun new segment, but I have not told Jamie what the segment is, and I think at some opportune moment I will interrupt you with the, with the segment. Uh, we'll do it Justin McElroy style. Sure. But didn't we decide that it, we should do summaries before questions or the other way around? We said that we should do questions first because otherwise we, like, answer the questions in the summary. Right, yes, perfect. Yes, questions. Okay, here's a question for you. What celebrity... Does Jade create a ghost photo, photo ghost imprint of with her Pictionary modus? Oh boy. <laughs> I remember. I, well, okay, here's the thing in my defense is that I didn't actually like recognize the celebrity. Oh, me neither. Like I had never heard of him before. I only put this down because I have like an inside joke with my brother about it and it's just very funny to me. I, I don't. Is it, wait, is it, is it Denzel Washington? No. I have I guess, no idea. Kind of I don't know close. where he came from. What? It's Charles Dutton. Nope. I remember he's an, that now. He's but... an actor, and I don't know what he's been in ever. <laughs> the reason... What is it? And now I don't remember the name of it. J- we'll, we'll see it in the next reading, I bet. Jade makes, like, this horrible, like, squiddle, like, Dutton. Oh, boy. It is so funny. And it has a really funny name, too, but now I'm not remembering the name of it. But it's literally the funniest thing in Homestuck. All right, hit me with that Ulysses question. What do the men in a carriage curse as the worst way to die? Suicide. Yeah. Historical fun fact. Um, yeah. Hit me with another homestuck question. Okay. What object does Rose find left on the end of a pier in the land of light and rain? What? What object does Rose find? It's like a sitting on the end of a dock. 
I have no idea. I don't remember up here. It, it, when I say it, you'll be like, oh, wait, fuck that. Okay. Well, I don't know. It's a martini glass. Oh, the one where she, like, drinks it and then spits it out. Yeah. I didn't register that that was a pier. Yes, it is a little pier that she reached by going through the mausoleum. Pyrrhus. Pyrrhus? Pyrrhus. Pyrrhus? Pyrrhus. <laughs> They're the same. I have, I'll, I'll read you sometime in the episode my, my onomatopoeia quote from this reading. Incredible. I can't wait to be proven horrifically wrong. Um, okay. My turn? Yes. What epithet does Mr. Power use to refer to Molly while talking about her concert tour? Uh, I read this in the Spark Notes or something. It's like Madame. Yeah, nice. Ugh, genius. All right. Question three, what character ends up being the source of the commands from the Land of Wind and Shade flash game at the beginning of the reading? Is that, that's John, right? Yes, it's the John game, and it has all the little commands in it. I feel like I'm overthinking it. It's one of the exiles, right? Yes. Is it the, I thought it was the mayor. Mm, nope. Is it like a different, like, version of him? Mm, nope. So is it Aimless Renegade? Nope. Wait, but you said it was an exile? Yes. Is it PM? Yes. <laughs> I thought she had, like, the fancy, like, the cursive script. No, that's a queen. Oh, right. Wow. I thought that one was easy. Yeah, and I mean, I love PM with my whole heart, so, like, I it should be. Her. Well, I could go, maybe there are mayor ones in the Flash game. I could go back and look, but. I don't know. There probably aren't in that Flash game, but, like, the mayor was definitely, like, sending them at one point. Yes, Mayor was John's guy, but at some point in the future, PM, like, is introduced to the terminal, and then it's revealed that all the, like, nicey-nice commands the Flash game were actually her the whole time. So she's perfect. She is perfect. Okay. What do the three men in the carriage have in common concerning Reuben J that Bloom doesn't? Oh, damn. Um, that they are Christian? Well, yes. <laughs> well, no. No. I mean, they have something in common. No, that would be like if I had said, what does Reuben have in common with Bloom that the other three don't? Because Reuben and Bloom are both Jewish. And Mr. Power, Martin Cunningham, and Mr. Dedalus are all Christian. Catholic, specifically. It's, more, it's, not like some, it's not like a shared trait. It's just like relational, like how they all know him. That Mr. Bloom has not, does not know him. Oh, oh, is he the money guy? Yeah. He stole their money, and he did not steal Leopold's money. They, ha they, they borrowed money from him. Oh, the other way around. Yeah, I'll give you a point for that. Or maybe I won't, just because I'm going to be mean. No, I'll give you a point for that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I have so many hot takes about that, but we'll get to it later. Oh, boy. I'm ready. Um, okay, what is the code that Terezi sends John to make the rocket pack? Yeah, I literally remember missing that. Like, How could you miss it? It's such an iconic conversation moment. No, I remember. No, I remember it. Like he sends her the code, and she's all like, "That's just a key smash." And he's like, "No, I promise it's not." And then, it's and like then a she word or something. It is a word, yes. But it's like in her quirk. Um, I guess none of the letters in it are are part of her quirk. Oh. She yeah, sends it. I think I, I didn't, it didn't register until right now, me talking out loud that it was a word. And that's why I didn't miss it. Because I just remember like the conversation started and he was like, you didn't give me the code. And she was like, yeah, I just did. And I was like, wait, no, you didn't. 
he fell into the same trap that John did. Yeah, exactly. Do you want me to say it? Yeah. The word is pachoo. Oh, okay. Because she she's like, okay, I'll go get the code. Pachoo. And then John's like, are you getting the code? And she's like, yeah, I literally just said it. And he was like, oh, I thought that was a blasting off noise. <laughs> I remember. Okay, yeah. I get, I, yeah, okay. And it's that also I specifically remember is over two different pages. So I was like, wait, what? Yes. It's one of those weird instances where he breaks up a pesterlog. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I love that instance. <laughs> Terezi was my favorite Homestuck character for a long while, just for context. Incredible. Um, who does Bloom conclude is the unlucky 13th person standing around Dignam's grave? Oh, fuck. Um, um, oh, God. I don't know. I didn't really interpret this part. Wait, okay. There's a guy standing there, and Bloom's like, wait, I don't know who that is. And is that your final answer? No, no, hold on. In fuck a mulligan? No. Um, I don't know who he thinks it is. Is that your final answer? Wait. You're saying that like I should know. No, I'm not. I'm just like, you're you're being ambivalent, ambivalent and I'm... Okay, my final, answer, my final answer is Buck Mulligan. Okay, well, no. It is the mysterious man in the coat. Oh, what? He just yeah, because he's all like, 13 people, how unlucky. Oh, shit, I was a 13th person, person because everyone was walking ahead of me because they don't like me and I was behind. And then he's like, actually, wait, that strange man who I don't know wasn't at the church service. And he oh. came up after me, therefore it's him. Ah ha ha, I won't die. Okay, I like interpreted your syntax backwards because I thought you were asking who does he think the mysterious guy actually is, but you were asking who does he decide is the 13th instead of himself. Yes. But I still kind of didn't know what the part was, so yeah, you can take the point away from me. Yeah, and also <laughs> I have gotten none of your homestuck questions right. Oh wait, none of them? Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> okay, here's a really easy one. If you don't get this, I will be very disappointed. <laughs> Through what method does Rose finally see the graffiti that she's done all over her bedroom? And what does the graffiti say? It's a two-pointer. The graffiti says meow a bunch of times. Yes. Um, I mean, doesn't she just wake up? Um, yes. But like I her dream thi- self wakes up. Yes. Is it something with, like, the alternate timeline? Yes, I will definitely give you the point for that. It, it's it, it's unclear how much it actually affects it, but it's implied that the alternate timeline rose merging with the current timeline rose is part of how she, like, gets rid of her, like, subconscious block and is able to see the graffiti. Got it. Yes. Okay, yeah. hit, me, hit me with the final question. What is one of the ways that Bloom speculates graveyards and or funerals could be improved? Oh, he says that the people should be buried upright. Yes. There's also a bit where he's like, why do we spend so much money on graveyards when we could? There's a couple things he says. He's like, why we could, Why do we spend so much money on graveyards? We should give them to charities to like care, take care of people who are still alive. And then he's also like, graveyards would be much more interesting if they put like information about the people on the gravestones. Ooh, which are both valid. Yeah. So valid. Oh, and then I guess you could also, I only wrote down, like, two things, but I keep thinking of more. He also is, like, make sure that we put, like, he was like, you should either puncture people through the heart or, like, put telephones in graves in case they're buried alive by accident. Oh, yeah. He was saying that, and I was like, wow, fucking, um, what's the Edgar Allan Poe one where that happens? 
Follow the House of Usher, they're like, she's dead in the crypt, and then she comes and she's like, I'm not dead in the crypt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not dead. Yes. (laughs) 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 Oh, Edgar Allan Poe. What a babe. Yeah. All right. Are we going to summarize? Yeah, let's summarize. Okay. Would you like to do the honors first, or would you like me to do Um, it? Oh boy. Yeah, I'll go. I don't, I think, I think you went first last time, so I'll go. I don't remember anything. Where did we end? Can you tell me, like, what happened at the end of Act 3? Um, uh, we ended at the intermission. Oh, right. So nothing. Yeah. Um, and it's been so long because we did the bonus episode. Yes. We, we picked up right with, um, John being in the Land of Wind and Shade. Right. Oh, okay. So I remember, I'm just gonna, like, list things. <laughs> we, we saw a lot of trolls. And by a lot, I mean, we met ugh, Tavros. Mm-hmm. Um, more Kanaya. Kanaya started flirting with Rose. Kanaya yep. asked Dave to help her flirt with Rose. Yep. Um, and then Rose accuses Kanaya of having a crush on Dave. And Kanaya's like, what the fuck? Um... <laughs> Terezi gets John the rocket pack, and then Dave from the future is like, don't do that, you'll die. <gasps> yes, Nathan! <laughs> that was so funny! Can I leave that in the episode? Yes! <laughs> <laughs> episode title, what? Episode title, my brother just opened the door because he was like, I want to see what you're doing! <laughs> and I oh have headphones God. on, so I ha- can't hear people coming. Anyway, where was I? <laughs> um, Rose flirting or something. Oh no, yeah. So Teresi gives John like the rocket, and then Dave from the future is like, "Don't do that, you'll die." She's messing with you, and John is like, "Sounds fake." And then he's about to go through the gate, and he's like, "Actually, wait, I might die." So then he like turns around and is just like flying around his land, having a lot of fun. Uh, we see Rose's wall graffiti because her dream self wakes up. Um, Dave gets, well, no, we see Dave in his land, but that's like a featured weird Dave where he and Rose are like the only ones left. John like sees his denizen palace, but like not actually because he doesn't go there yet. Mm-hmm. What's the really important thing that happens at the end of the act? The Flash? Yes. What oh. is it called? <laughs> it's called Jack Ascend and I have it open still. Um, and Jack, like, kills the queen and, like, takes her ring or something. Yes, in fact. Yeah, no, like, I remember the first time I read it, like, I, like, the rings are, like, super important, right? Oh, ultra important. Yeah, and I feel like, are we supposed to know that yet? Because I, like, saw the, every time we've seen the ring so far, far, I've been like, ooh, my brain is telling me that that's big important, but I don't know if we've actually read anything that tells us it's big important, or if I'm just remembering that from last time. There is nothing that explicitly says the ring is being important, but, like, given every fantasy lore ever and also chess metaphors, it's, like, super obvious in the story that the rings are important. And the fact that, like, when he puts it on, he, like, gets wings and a sword through him. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I just vaguely remember, like, some flash or something that where, like, we see the ring being important. Is it is it the Act 7 flash? I don't know, maybe. It's in the, like, first shot of that one, so... Yeah, maybe it's that one. I don't remember. Um, That's my summary. What did I miss? <laughs> um, I think. Well, you did a pretty good job for for the giant chunk that you're supposed to be summarizing. Well, so there's a lot of trolls happening. 
a lot of jade going down. Let me go into my note docs, see if there's anything else really important. Jack ascends, which is very important. Oh, and the and the um exiles sort of bond and are all. Yeah, in they're place. so cute. They're so cute. My favorite thruple. Just the best thruple around. <laughs> yeah, you did you did a good job. Cool. Oh god, Thanks. is it my turn to do Ulysses now? It is. Fuck. Okay. Ulysses. So in this episode, I don't even remember what the name of the episode is. Hades. Hades. Oh, I knew that. Um, Leopold gets in a carriage to go to Dingnam's or whoever's funeral. There's some other dudes in the carriage and it's just kind of an awkward situation because Leopold isn't really as good friends with them as they are with themselves or with each other. It's pretty awkward. They see Steven walking outside and Steven's dad is in the car and everyone like is roasting on Steven um, and also roasting on Buck Mulligan Someone makes a suicide. Oh, yeah. Then they're talking about suicide in there and they're like, it's really bad. But then like somebody is like, guys, shut up. Leopold's dad committed suicide. And then they're like, oh, fuck. And then um, they go to the funeral. There's a mysterious person. Um, there's a grit. The, the undertaker is there. What am I missing? I mean, yeah, this episode kind of epitomizes the whole boring and in Ireland thing because the actual events of the episode are kind of like literally like it's so boring. The bit where Martin Cunningham is like walking with um, I think it's Mr. Power and he's like and he like what you said. He's all like, hey, did you know that like Leopold's dad committed suicide? I was like, oh, finally, it's getting interesting. And then like the conversation was like three lines and I was like, oh, boy, Um, it's just all of the like references that actually make it kind of cool because there's a bunch of mythology stuff. Yeah, most of the episode is just, they're kind of just, like, going through Dublin, and they, like, see people walking, like, Stephen, and they see the bit where it's, like, oot, they see a, a couple different beggars. Doesn't Leopold talk about Hamlet? Leopold, like, yeah, when he's at the grave, he's, like, he's thinking about the grave diggers in Hamlet, and how oh, yeah. they ma- were making fun of death, and he's, like, you shouldn't make fun of dead people until two years after they die. You have to mourn for two years. I have something very important to tell you. Yes. I have a new segment, and it's called Homestuck Character or Ulysses Character. Okay. So it's like our segment idea where you have a quote from Homestuck or Ulysses, and you try to guess which one it's from. But it's not stupid like that, because it actually works. Um, So (laughs) I've written out small descriptions of the character that may be from Homestuck and maybe from Ulysses, but it's made to sound like it could also be a separate character, maybe from Homestuck, maybe from Ulysses. Okay. You have to, you get more points, there are no, we're not actually keeping track of the points, but uh, you get, get more. just so that I can be not losing as badly? Okay, fine, you get points, I'll give you a point for each sentence you, each sentence I've read so far. Are these real characters? Yes, yes, real characters. Okay. So I like, like, it'll be a description, and it's kind of like so quiz, it's like quiz Yeah, it's like quiz <laughs> <laughs> It's like quiz bowl, and the faster you get it, the better you're doing. Okay, cool. Okay. Here we go. First one. That There's only two, so this isn't going to take long. Character number one. This character is awkward around women. He is simple-minded and impatient, but can be friendly. We don't know much about his parentage, but a dark event from his past colors his current perception of authority. Steven? No. He has I mean, a... It could be. <laughs> it could be. That's not even the one that it. Okay, hold on. Uh, last sentence. He has a beloved animal companion. Okay. Have, and 
Yeah, what? <laughs> uh, any any guesses yet? Leopold? No. And he is a chess dude. A what? He's a chess piece. Oh. There's only four chess pieces in the story. Oh, actually, there's more so far. Would you like me to read it again? Yeah. Okay. Think about Homestuck now. Okay. This character is awkward around women. He is simple-minded and impatient, but can be friendly. We do not know much about his parentage, but a dark event from his past colors his current perception of authority. Sorry, he has... is this a character that we've already met? Yes. Okay. He has a beloved animal companion and is a chess piece. Oh, is it the mayor? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I fooled you. I was like, there's literally only like four men in Homestuck. What? That's good. That's really good. I love that. I was like, hey? What? The tower? Is it the tower? (laughs) (laughs) Would you like to hear character two? Yes. Okay. This character struggles with family relations. They have an eye for aesthetics and frequently reference literature. They have a close friend with a questionable sense of humor and a predilection for goth musings. They suffer nightmares and have a distaste for the English. Names. Uh, no. Is it Homestuck again? No, it's it's Ulysses this time. Is it Steven? Yes. Okay. You said, <laughs> you said something and I was like, oh, it can't be Steven. Or maybe I just thought Steven was too obvious. But... Steven is the one with a nightmare, right? No. Oh, well. Yeah, that's why I said Haynes, because I'm pretty sure it was Haynes that was like, I had a nightmare about a panther. We'll ignore that part then. Well, well at least we've clarified it now so that it doesn't come out. When my Irish lit professor listens to our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Anyway, uh, that's my new segment, Homestead Character or Ulysses Character. I love Thank it. You. It's very, very wonderful. I would like to make you aware of a very important fact. Yeah. Andrew Hussey actually owns the original Con Air Bunny. Oh my god! Quote Andrew Hussey from the commentary, I bought it in 2013, I think, for around a thousand dollars. Oh my god. <laughs> Andrew! Can you believe? Why? Can you believe? Does he just really like Con Air? Or just, like, what? Yeah, there's actually this really good quote where he was talking about why he likes shitty movies. Do you want me to read it? Yeah. John gets pretty worked up about this movie. He loves his shitty movies on such a pure, sincere level. I was thinking about this the other day, how I used to watch unbelievably shitty movies all the time. And while we recognize bad movies are bad technically, sometimes we bond with them irrationally, like John does. In the old days, say the 90s and earlier, before there was quite so much media to consume, before sites like Rotten Tomatoes warned you about awful movies in no uncertain terms, you really had no choice but to consume almost everything out there and see how you felt about it. So you were exposed to a lot more bad stuff than you tend to be these days, which sort of forced you to deal with the bad things, think about them critically, and consider what you actually liked about them in spite of the badness. You were more likely to feel some sense of fondness for the bad stuff out there because it was part of such a limited overall palette of media and it was more likely to help shape your experiences and memories. Damn, I love that. Damn, hussy. I also, okay, I just have to tell you this immediately. This is the quote that proves my theory about onomatopoeias. Okay. Hussy says, egg is used as a sound effect a lot of times in the story, actually. 
I forget how many times, but it's a lot. Egg isn't really a sound anything can make, except maybe a guy shouting the word egg at the top of his lungs, I guess. No! <laughs> so as you can see, egg on a monopia for the sound egg. <laughs> As onomatopoeia, maybe. Yes, yes, yes. But also, sounds can't be, like, sounds, like, generally aren't phonemes. I don't know what that means. I'm not a linguistics major. (laughs) Like, if you drop, like, okay, you could, like, a radio sound. You could make onomatopoeia of it being, like, like I did in that story I wrote, where it was, like, K-S-S-Z-Z-H-H-H. But that doesn't mean that the actual radio is making those, like, letter sounds. It's just making static. Okay, and your point? Egg is a word made of phonemes that you can say with your mouth to be a word and to have meaning other than representing a sound. So if I wrote it in IPA, would it be an onomatopoeia? I, t- I did say the first time we talked about onomatopoeia that, like, maybe everything written in IPA could be onomatopoeia, but I feel like the essence of onomatopoeia is not just representing the sound something makes, but, like, representing a sound that isn't a word. God damn. Like, representing only the sound. Stop being so good at arguing this. <laughs> you stop trying so hard to argue it. I just want to win. I just want everything to be an onomatopoeia. I'm getting a... You you abandoned your comparative literature major, and this is what you get. <laughs> Maybe I'll pick it back up again, just so I can learn how to debate you about onomatopoeias. Yeah, because I learned so much about onomatopoeia in my year of college. Yes, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, you want to talk a little bit about Homestuck and Ulysses? I want to. Okay, so my hot take that I mentioned. I think it, it was in Ulysses' guide from a couple episodes ago, talking about Ulysses. And it's and they, there's this it's the one where we talked about like light versus dark symbolism, and it's about like what is it? It's the one where Stephen is talking to Mr. DC, and Mr. DC is all like, "Ugh, oh, the Jews! Don't they ruin everything?" And Stephen's like, "Not really, but go off, I guess." And then like something bad happens. Oh yeah, Mr. DC keeps being compared to like darkness. And Ulysses' guide is all like, this is because the novel, like, shits on inequality and intolerance. They didn't say shits on, but, like, basically that's what they say. And it's like, I don't know, I feel like Ulysses' guide is just kind of like, I mean, it's called Ulysses' guide, but, like, it's just like, it's it's like kissing Ulysses' ass. Like, it's this herald of, like, social justice media that's all like, wow, don't discriminate. But also, like, literally every character is so sexist. It's so gross. Which I guess you can kind of compare to Homestuck, which a lot of times people will herald for being the pinnacle of gay representation, which, you know, like, fair point, there's a lot of gays, but then sometimes it can be kind of unwoke. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't know. The thing is, is, like, Stephen's kind of whole character arc throughout Portrait, what I've read of Portrait, which is the beginning and the end, and the beginning of Ulysses is all like, so, is misogyny allowed? Because he's constantly just like, you know, I just see women and they're just really hot and I just want to think about how they're really hot. But I don't think I should be like, I think, I don't think I should deny them their rights. But also it's okay if I objectify them or not. And it feels to me kind of like, I don't know, kind of like a question we see a lot of times now where when people who are like, I don't know, I don't want to say people who are unwoke as if it's just like a black and white group of people, but like, when you're confronted with a new 
aspect of like social justice and you have to like decide the extent to which you're gonna like fight for or against it and it's the kind of thing where like if you actually committed yourself to fighting against it you would be creating a lot of work for yourself so it's easy easier to just be centrist or ambivalent and then it just kind of feels like that's the way that steven is but not just like oh this is the character just in a way that the whole narrative is kind of ambivalent about whether or not we need to be completely against misogyny in a way that's like just very very 20th century and unwoke valid so valid snaps for that also wait can you hear my dog barking yeah i was just about to say i can hear yelling yeah (laughs) okay well if there's dog barking in the background the audience can just suffer with me having three dogs in my house that only one of which is mine (laughs) okay okay now for something completely different completely different homestuck idea I'm really loving how in the past, just like the beginning of this act, there's so much God tier foreshadowing. And yeah. we haven't we haven't actually seen it yet. But I have this line that Jade says near the beginning of the act. She says, So how does it feel to be a big time hero? Which is like yeah. time hero. And I was like, damn, bitch. Yeah. Um, I remember that being like, ooh. And also, there is this point in which Dave or maybe Kanaya. Oh no, no, I lied. Terezi. Terezi was listing out God tears, and she says, seer of mind, page of breath, knight of blood, maid of time, etc., etc. Very interesting to me that the order in which Terezi thinks of, like, her friends is herself, Tavros, Karkat, Aradia. Yeah, yeah, I remember thinking that, too. I was like, those are some interesting ones. Very interesting. Maybe those are the only ones he was, like, sure about. Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing that's what it was. A lot of the commentary on this act is like, yeah, I didn't know anything about the story yet. <laughs> I feel like one of the big differences for me, at least reading Homestuck and Ulysses, and this is horrible. I'm sorry, Ulysses scholars. But like, Homestuck, it's like such a cult. It has such like a socio-cultural weight where you say you're reading Homestuck, but there's like still a bunch of like story to it. Like there's still like, like it's still really, really like interesting, even if it existed in a vacuum. Whereas, like, Ulysses, like, it is only made interesting partly by its illusions and partly by the clout you get for reading it. But the actual events, at least, and, like, I just haven't liked it since we switched from Stephen. Like, we know, it's a fact that we know that I really don't like Leopold. And, I mean, I don't know, everyone just hates on Stephen all the time for being pretentious. But, like, I just like the aesthetic theory, and I thought his, his observations were so much more interesting to me. This very rose the lot of you to say. <laughs> I remember seeing the panel of Kanaya and being like, oh, she's so pretty. Yes. Rose and Kanaya were very, very gay in this bit. Yeah, but the thing is, I'm just, like, not good at, like, I don't know, reading Kanaya, I guess. Because I, I remember the first time I that conversation where Kanaya goes to Dave and is like, hey, how do I flirt with Rose? I remember the first time I read it being like, I didn't really pick up on that, pick up on her asking him that. Yeah, interestingly enough, I I kind of thought, I definitely got the Kanaya thing, and I got it when I was first reading too, but Hussey was um, commenting on some of the characters in the commentary. All I do on this podcast is talk about the Hussey commentary, <laughs> apparently, but um, he was like, yeah, one of the best things about Terezi is how she just like can, is kind of flirtatious all the time with everyone, and I was like, I thought she was just being kind of cheeky and annoying, but apparently Hussey was trying to make things very flirtatious on purpose. Which is probably why the fandom became very shippy. Yeah, probably. 
Yeah. Everything is just set up to kind of have ship potential. Yeah. Which is also everything in the commentary for the past, like, all the pages has just been about shipping, too, so. Did you get my text about what we were talking about with, like, Dave and Jade and then, like, Oh, yes. Cat and Jade? Yeah, I agree with that. I didn't yeah. respond, but I agree with that highly. Yeah, can you con- contextualize it for people yes. who don't have access to our private DMs? <laughs> <laughs> well, everyone has access to those, of course, if they subscribe to us on Patreon. Um, <laughs> but um, we were talking about, the quote is, it's great conversations like these that stoked the passions of Dave X Jade shippers. And maybe, in many ways, they had a point. The only problem with the pairing was its overwhelming heterosexuality attribute. As such, it was not to be. So yeah, we, we were talking about that in the context of the bit where Dave is like, I love John, and Rose is like, yeah, I know. Yeah, and because, like, one second later, like, Hussey goes on to, like, talk for pages about how, like, people are so horny for Jade Cat and how Carcat's so horny for Jade. And then he's like, there's some other het chip he was talking about. And it was just kind of weird because he was like, basically, the previous quote felt to me like he was implying there were no het chips in Homestuck. And then, like, two pages later, he was like, Jade Cat! And I was like, what? But then Jamie made the very good point that maybe he was just saying, like, uh, he was he was being woke and including bi people and pointing out that canonically Dave was supposed to be gay. And so it was the heterosexuality attribute of him and Jade would not work out, whereas Carcat being bi it would work out. Yeah. And I was like, more yeah. woke than other things. Slightly more woke than it would have been before. So that's valid. Mr. Huss, I'll give you that one. <laughs> <laughs> one point for Hussy. One point. Only one. He gets Only one, one point. Can we add Hussey to our leaderboard? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we can do that, in fact. I have a bunch of Ulysses stuff. Did you read that article I sent you? The Bloomsday one? Uh, nope. Okay, well, I was looking at stuff for Bloomsday because I was like, I want to go to Bloomsday in Worcester. And I found this article, which is titled, Bloomsday is a travesty, but not for the reason you think. And I was like, ooh, I'm always gay for hot takes. Um, I'm just going to read the first paragraph. This is from 2014. Today is Bloom's Day, the annual celebration in which James Joyce's Ulysses breaks out of the classroom and hits the streets. Joyce set his novel on June 16, 1904, to commemorate his first date with his future wife, Nora Barnacle, a date that ended with a hand job. The detail matters because it reminds us that, for all its high cultural credentials, the greatest novel of the last century is also a monument to perhaps the lowliest of sex acts, one not even deserving of its own Latinate name, like Quidus or Fellatio. A handjob is vulgar, sloppy, and juvenile, much like the book it inspired is at its best. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, roast! Oh, roast! Oh, vulgar, sloppy, and juvenile. (laughs) The first sentence of the next paragraph is, Bloomsday, at its best, honors the body and boisterous nature of Ulysses. And just goes on to talk about how, like, the only valid parts of of Bloomsday is, like, getting drunk and, like, dressing up. And, like, all of the literary things are just stupid and pretentious. Oh, my God. This article was written by James S. Murphy, who I think just kind of hates Ulysses. Uh, Yeah, I could tell from the first paragraph. Bloomsday celebrations treat Joyce too much like a saint and his book too much like a gospel to be revered first and read later, if at all. And I just, like, I don't know. I haven't been to a Bloomsday ever. But I just, I feel like this person is taking Bloomsday too seriously. Yeah, perhaps. 
the silliness might not have bothered Joyce so much. If anything, the aspect of Bloomsday that would have bothered him is its is its holiness. Which that mm. that reminded me of Hussy. Oh yeah, that's very, very Huss. Yes. Would you would you like to explain what Bloomsday is for the Homestuck people? Oh yeah, Blooms Bloomsday is how how do I explain this to Homestucks? It's like a convention. It's like four thirteen. It's like 413, but for Ulysses. Yeah. And Bloomsday also refers to, like, specifically, like, it's like it's like a Homestuck meetup, except it's Ulysses instead of Homestuck. <laughs> Bloomsday is 413, but for Ulysses. <laughs> I didn't even, like, think of that until I said it. <laughs> 616. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, oh, I remember another thing I really liked about this article is that there's this book called The Most Dangerous Book, The Battle for James Joyce's Ulysses, which I checked out of the library and did not read for my Irish Lit final. Nice. Which is all about how Ulysses was, like, so shocking and scandalous um, when it was published and how everyone wanted to, like, get rid of it because it was horrible. Oh, and this is the bit. I think you read this. This also ties back to what I was saying about um, how gross Leopold is and how I really don't like him. So there was this one, what was it? So someone was trying to ban this magazine called The Little Review. And it was when they were, they were perusing an edition of The Little Review to see if it should be banned or not. And quote, the issue in question included the Nausicaa episode of Ulysses in which Leopold Bloom masturbates at the beach while a young girl exposes her undergarments to him. The editors of the magazine, a pair of lesbian feminists committed to art over everything else, were convicted and fined, providing some of the basis for the banning of the sale of the novel in the U.S., which lasted until 1933. Oh, um, you did I send love, me that. Yeah, I love of the basis for the banning of the basis for banning the sale of the novel. <laughs> yes, love those clauses. Um, but also I love being a lesbian feminist committed to art over everything else. And yes. I really don't like Leopold Bloom. Literally, I feel like every single thing you read is just like, oh, feel so sorry for Leopold. His wife is cheating on him. Isn't that just the worst? And it's like, I mean, maybe, but like, he doesn't seem to actually care that much. I feel like for the sake of Ulysses fans, I need to adopt the like devil's advocate role of like the Leopold stan. I mean... Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I won't do it yet. I won't go to that length yet, but. Figure out what there is to like about him and then tell me. <laughs> he has a potato. He has a Okay, I like the potato. I don't like that he's masturbating at the beach while a young girl exposes her undergarments to him. That's kind of indefensible. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> we haven't read that part, right? No, that's Nausicaa. That's, like, one of the later ones. Great. I was that like, is... I don't remember that. Yeah, I don't either. That's episode 13. Nice. Okay, I have one more point about Ulysses, and then we can do quotes. Actually, it's not a point. It's just a quote. It's Love a quote, it. but then a point. Okay. A quote, developing waterways, James McCann's hobby to Romeo or the ferry, cheaper transit by easy, sta by easy stages, houseboats, camping out, also hearses, to heaven by water, which... I think the Joyce Project pointed out to me is, like, a reference to, like, the River Styx. Oh. The, the, to heaven by water, to Romeo or the ferry. Because this Very whole sexy. episode is, like, Hades, right? I just thought, like, these were actually two really good readings to do at the same time, just coincidentally, because they're all about, like, 
journeys in, in into the into the mythology mm -hmm. that respectively inspired them yes like, we didn't really meet the denizens but like we got hinted to about the denizens and like i mean we've been in the odyssey the whole time but like this whole thing was just like every single thing leopold was like wow that's a decaying corpse Oh, yeah, wait, also, that's a really good comparison because uh, Hussey was going on and on in the commentary about how all the, like, mythological denizen lore and, like, game quest lore just kind of exists in the background of, like, the things the teens are actually doing and only exists as, like, a mythological backdrop, which is, like, the same thing as Ulysses being, like... Yeah. The Odyssey is the mythological backdrop that is only relevant insofar as it forms a backdrop for the shit that Leopold's doing in Dublin. Mythological backdrop. Love world building. I love world building. I love world building the city of Dublin, just the actual city. <laughs> yes, I world built it. I love my OC, Dublin. <laughs> okay, I have three quotes. They're very short. Okay. The first quote is, I'll tickle his catastrophe, believe you me. <laughs> that sounds like something Jake English would say. Yeah, right? That was one of the ones I would be like, is it a Homestead quote or is it a Ulysses quote? You'll just you never should, know. You should actually do that segment now. Yeah, I should. Oh my god, I should look for things. Okay, second quote. The lost to sight to memory dear. Ooh. Which is about remembering dead people. Ooh. And then another one, which could be a Homestead quote. Out of the frying pan of life into the fire of purgatory. <laughs> that could definitely be like a rose quote i'll tickle his catastrophe believe you me <laughs> <laughs> that's either a jake quote or like a very angry briska quote oh yeah you're right yeah okay do you have a homestead quote yes i do in fact and it's a rose quote and i picked it because it reminded me of you um, this is in the conversation Rose has with Tavros, which is fucking hilarious, by the way. Mm. Rose says, if you really want to burn him, I recommend poetry. And Tavros says, what? Poetry? As in, like, those human word bunches? And you say, yes. Oh, wait, fuck, I just said you say. <laughs> I know you did. I was like, <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> and Rose, who is also Jamie, says, yes, they are the most delicious bunches we have. <laughs> <laughs> Me, I hate poetry. Also me. I should write more poetry. <laughs> write some delicious word bunches. Delicious word bunches. Um, thank you very much for listening to what the fuck is this? Episode seven? Six. Episode six. Eight if you count bonus episodes. Yes. Episode six of the real podcast. Episode eight of the extended podcast, which is called Homestuck the Internet's Ulysses. Um, you can find us, as always, on Podbean, Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, Tumblr, in your mind, haunting you in the middle of the night when you remember my onomatopoeia thing. <laughs> and you just <laughs> you can't decide who you agree with. <laughs> you just can't decide. Because I'm just so correct about it. <laughs> um, what was the other thing? Oh, yeah. If you want to give us a shout out on your preferred social media of choice. And what's the hashtag? Like, hashtag HTIU podcast. Yes, in fact, that is the hashtag. Then we will give you a shout out on our podcast. Yes. Um, and just a final apology. If you could hear my dog barking in the background of all the audio. Actually, that is not my dog. It's my grandparents' dog. So I apologize for the dachshund. Thank you for listening to this episode of Pachoo.
See you next time on our gay podcast. <laughs>